So good to have everyone back tonight and to have an opportunity to study the Bible together. I know that many of you this morning heard the announcement of Brother Aaron uh, moving back to Georgia. Uh, I want to say publicly, because I want him to know, but I want you to know how great of a co-worker he has been. And uh, I'm looking forward to him being a co-worker for the next two months. And uh, some of you I know will... Uh, are stunned by the announcement, but Brother Aaron is going to be able to do some great things in the Lord's kingdom. He's going to be working with the television program some there in uh, Lithia Springs as well. I want you to know he's going to be able to do some great things for the Lord and pat him on the back, let him know how much you appreciate him, and uh, Lord willing, we'll see him again as he passes through our area. But for the next two months, we're aiming to keep him and keep him busy, uh, keep him with us here. I want to ask you a question. How many places is your name on a roll? If somebody were to say, uh, is there a list somewhere that has your name on it? Well, I'm sure most of us, perhaps all of us, have our name registered where we were born. You have a birth certificate And if you needed to be able to acquire another one, you could be able to write the state in which you were born and say, I need another birth certificate. For those of you who are going to school, your name is listed. Maybe you're the third grade. Maybe you're the eighth grade. Maybe you've been to a college and believe me, if you attend one of our brethren schools, your name is on a list to raise money. Uh, You'll always get those lists. If you are of age to be able to vote, your name is on a voter registration. And it may be that here in Warren County in the city of McMinnville, your name is on a list to say this person is a registered voter. You own property. Your name is on a list of property owners. Uh, You can go to the register of deeds and you can look up your name and there it will have the property that you own. Perhaps you're a member of some civic organization, maybe the Lions Club or the Exchange Club, and someone would say, but here's someone who's on our list. But is your name written in the book of life? On the day of judgment, as that book is open and you start going down and you start looking at the names, is your name written there? I want you to keep that thought in mind as we prepare to study the first three verses of the book of Philippians chapter 4. In my judgment, I love studying the Bible. I love to be able to see the picture that unfolds as you read the letters that Paul writes to the various congregations. And I think as he writes these letters, and it's being read publicly before the congregation, some things are just going to just stand out to you because Paul's going to first of all say stand fast in the faith. Then he's going to tell two women that they need to be striving together as well as the whole body of Christ for unity. Brother Paul, just let us in a song. They are no we're Christians by our love. The emphasis on unity. And then finally the idea of securing our future that it's something that you and I live for, that we have a goal to which we seek. Look with me again at verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, 
My joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Now, the word therefore always forces us to look backwards. Because the word therefore is always a a word that indicates a conclusion. And in order to appreciate your conclusion, you have to look back and see what it was that he's drawing this conclusion on the basis of. And you go back to chapter 3 and you look at verses 20 and 21 and he talks about our citizenship being in heaven and about the great resurrection of the body. And Paul would write, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. You and I have reservations. Our citizenship, and because we're citizens, we're there in the role of heaven. And he says what we're doing, we're eagerly waiting for Jesus to come again. We're eagerly waiting with this old physical, worn out, corporeal, um, physical body will be transformed to match his glorified body. You can take the book of 1 Corinthians and read along with this and appreciate when Paul is asked, well, what kind of body does it come with? And then he comes to verse 50 and he says, he says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Oh, it's a beautiful picture of that wonderful day. And so based upon that, But he says, beloved and longed for, brethren, my joy, my crown. It's hard to imagine how dear these people were to Paul. Do you know what happens when you spend time with people? You have their heartaches and you have their joys. They become a part of who you are. And you miss them and when you're not there and when there's difficulties, you you grieve for them. And so he uses a term of endearment, beloved. Not only does he use it once, he uses it twice. Why would he say my beloved and then beloved? Because he really loves them. You often will repeat something if it's very important. The Macedonians, which included those in Thessalonica were very dear and near to Paul. He said in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 19, For what is our hope or joy or crown or rejoicing? Is it not even you at the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. When Jesus comes again, that's when we're going to be able to take such great pleasure because as one moves before the Lord's great throne and his name is found written in the book of life and it appears that the congregation here has a whole number of people who are a part of that great number. And so what does he tell them to do? To stand fast. That's to be firmly committed in our conviction. When you and I stand fast, we say, I'm not giving up my space. I'm not going to be moved. 
Regardless of what comes, I am going to be loyal and I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. The grammatical construction, if you will, is present and it's imperative. Present means it's continually acting. It's imperative in the sense that it's command. Stand fast, my brethren. Paul would say the same thing in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. He said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Chapter 16, verse 13, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. You know, sometimes I look at some brethren, they just seem to vacillate with every wind of change. And then there's some brethren who would say, oh yes, I've had difficulties in my life, I've had temptations placed before me, but I am not giving up on the Lord. Galatians 5 verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and be not again entangled into a yoke of bondage. And even to the Philippians in chapter 1 and verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. You want to be a congregation that regardless of who comes through, regardless of... Who's teaching? You're going to remain loyal. You're going to remain true. You're going to stand fast in God's word. In 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by our word or epistle. You don't give up because this is what God's word says. Now you move to verse 2. Now, I want you to imagine now you're sitting in the audience of the congregation at Philippi and perhaps one of the elders, perhaps someone who's preaching the gospel is going to read Paul's letter. And you get to verse 2. I implore you, Odia. And I implore Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, when he says, I implore, I beseech, I urge, I entreat, this is literally the word which means to call to somebody's side. It's a strong appeal, but not a fully a command. What he's saying is, I want to encourage you to be of the same mind in the Lord. And he's going to talk to Euodia and Syntyche. These are two women. They're women that he has called out within the congregation. I'm going to tell you, if a letter came from an apostle of the Lord and he says, Tony, you know what I'm going to do? My eyes are going to open real wide. Uh Uh-oh. He's called my name. These are the women in verse 3. Paul said, who have been my fellow workers. Now, what work did they do? I don't know. He doesn't tell. 
What was the nature of their conflict? Again, he doesn't tell. I know one thing. Euodia knew what it was. Syntyche knew what it was. And the congregation at Philippi knew what it was. There's conflict between these two women. And it needs to be resolved. He said, I want you to be of the same mind in the Lord. There's some things that need mending. It's like you've got a a fishing net and there's a big hole in it. And these things need to be knit back together. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11, Finally, brethren, farewell, become complete. That's that word for mending. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. You know, you listen to Philippians 2, verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one cord and one mind. You start saying, Paul keeps saying that over and over again. Yes, he does. Do you know why he does that? Is because, as the song we sang just before this lesson, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love, they are, well, no, we are Christians by our love. We are one. And you know, when we're not one, when we're divided, we're not what we ought to be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that you be, there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. He wants us to be together. In fact, Psalm 133, verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I have been in places where hard feelings existed. I've been in a congregation when I was growing up as a young boy where many people would not speak to one another, could not get along, could not be peaceable with one another. And what does Paul say about that? Let there be no divisions among you. But you see, our agreement is not on the basis of opinions Our agreement must be based upon what God says. Amos 3 and verse 3 says, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? And that's exactly what Paul is telling Euodia and Syntyche. Be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, the main point of this passage in my judgment is verse 3. Let's notice what Paul writes. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I urge you also, That's a different word than the previous word to implore. But it means I'm asking you, brother, help these women. They need some help. They need a mediator, if you will. 
And so Paul refers to him as a true companion. You're reading an older translation. A yoke fellow. Somebody that you work together with. Some people think it's a proper name. It could be. Or it could just be an unnamed brother here in this congregation. Paul didn't need to name him. But they, this person was in the position to be able to help these two women. He said, with Clement and others also. I learned that there's people in the congregation whose names are written in the book of life who don't always agree on everything, but they've got to be trying to work it out. And all their names are in this book of life. Now... That's going to raise an idea. What is the book of life? Have you ever thought about as you read about this? In fact, seven times in the book of Revelation, this book is referred to. Well, let me offer you a couple of passages which I think can be helpful in this regard. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. I won't blot it out. You know, when I was a student taking typing in high school, they taught us how to do erasures. And I used to like that erasable bond, real easy to erase off of. And then they started giving us typing paper. And you couldn't erase off of it without rubbing a hole in the paper. And then they invented this really neat stuff called liquid paper. And when you made a mistake... You took this little brush and this little white stuff and you painted over the top of it and then you let it dry and then you could type right over the top of it again. Or if you made a bad mistake, you blotted it out and you didn't have anything there. Blotting out the name. Here's a person's name's written in the book. Here's a person who starts sinning. Your name once written there was there, but now it's been blotted out, crossed off. And there was once upon a time that I was registered to vote in Lamar County, Alabama. I'm not registered to vote there anymore. My name has been stricken from their rolls because I don't live there anymore. There was a once upon a time that I was registered to vote in Montgomery County, Tennessee. I'm no longer registered there either. My name has been blotted out. Let me ask you again, is your name written in the book of life? Get to Revelation chapter 20 and he says... I saw the great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose face the heaven and the earth fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, the small and the great, standing before the throne and the books were open. And he says, uh, another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works 
by the things written in the book of life or in the books. And you get down to verse 15, and if any was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Do you understand that on the day of judgment, when those books are opened by which we will be judged, and the book of life is open, and if your name is not in that book, you go to torment? That means that book's very important, and your name being written there. Names can be added, names can be blotted out. In fact, in Numbers chapter 32, Moses was leading the children of Israel and God was done with them. Their sinfulness was to the heavens. In verse 32, Moses said, Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. Moses loved those people so much, he was willing to be lost for them. In Psalm 69, verse 28, let them be blotted out of the book of the living, let their name not be written with the righteous. Do you realize the significance of your name not having been there? This should be one of the greatest honors of your life. Your name may be registered among the brightest people You may be listed among those who are who's who of the brightest of our generation. But let me tell you, there's nothing more important than having your name in the book of life. In Luke chapter 10, the disciples are coming back from this method or this message of preaching the gospel where Jesus had sent them out and he gave them power over the demonic realm, be able to heal people. And you can imagine what kind of prestige that brought. And Jesus said, Nevertheless, do not, or do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I don't care if anybody knows who I am here as long as the Lord knows who I am and I'm on his list. And I'm in that book of life because that's the most important thing. These women had a role in staying in the book of life. Y'all understand that? I exhort Yodia and I exhort Syndicate to be of the same mind in the Lord. Help these women, true yoke fellow. Clement also. And with my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. I've got to make sure I keep my name there. The yoke fellow Paul could help them. And thus, we have something to do with our salvation. You see, tonight, here's the way it is. If you're not a Christian, your name's not written there yet. But if you decide tonight when we sing the invitation song that you say, you know what, I know what I need to do and I'm convinced I'm going to do it and I'm going to go up there and I want to be baptized for the remission of my sins. Acts 2.47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. That is, your name is now written in the book of life. Let me urge you also, we had a class before services tonight talking about carrying the gospel to all the world. 
we can help others become or we can help others remain saved. It's my burden. It's my obligation. It's your burden. It's your obligation to try to help as many people as possible make it to heaven. How can we help you tonight? If you need to become a Christian, please, when we sing this song of encouragement, do what you know you need to do. If you're a Christian and you know that there's sin that needs to be corrected in your life, correct it. Let's pray with you. Let's pray for you that God will forgive you. We're going to sing, What Will You Do With Jesus? And if you need to respond, please come. As together we stand and sing.